Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, of course, is the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. What's up? What's up? What's up? How's it going, Mike? Uh, you know, I'm like an eight and a half out of ten today, I oh, think. Gosh, Doc G, how are you? Again. Strong again. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll be appreciative this week. Yes! I will say an eight right now. Uh, okay, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. I can't complain <laughs> too much. I can't. You know, I mean, I feel like you might be an eight and a half because we made that dream happen last week. Oh, yeah. We, we did. We introduced you to Hattie B. Say what? You didn't even know mm-hmm. that that was a thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, now it's in your life. Give us a little recap. Yeah. How was the deliciousness? Deliciousness. Uh, it was pretty much amazing. I mean, it was uh, ne- like it never had hot chicken in my life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was just a great experience. The uh, you know, just like the texture. It was mm-hmm. crispy. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have to like fry it properly. Oh to yeah. Get that combination of the spices and stuff to work on top. Can't can't let it um, set there too long. It gets soggy, so you know it's fresh. Like that's the thing exactly. is they just put the heat on there. They got the crinkle yeah. cut fries. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually a crinkle cut, but the crinkle cut works really well with the hot chicken. Cuz it's, yeah. it's it's sort of like a, almost a dowser of the heat with just the extra starch, you know, the yep. extra. That's right. It's nice. You went with the tenders. And your girlfriend I, went with the sandwich, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to taste like what it, you know, yeah. I wanted to taste the actual hot chicken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next time going with the sandwich though. Oh, Definitely yeah. going with the sandwich next time. Nice. Now there's a place I've never been to, but I saw it on diners, drive-ins and dives in Memphis. And they sort of do, they sort of do the same thing, except it's like a, a, a sweet and spicy Sort of Nashville heat, mm. and uh, and they do it on like whole chicken. Wait, what? They just dump like a whole chicken, fried chicken into it. It's crazy. I I need to go wow. there. Yeah, but that's only in Memphis. That's a that's a Memphis Memphis zone there. But um, you know, I I you were so happy with that food decision that I felt like almost. Like it was a good deed. Word. Like I almost did a good deed. I was like, <laughs> you know what? That was nice. You know? It was a good deed. And so I I was like, you know what? I should look up more places for Mike to go to. You know? So Ooh. I started doing research uh, this week on places that you could go in Las Vegas. And so... All right. Let's hear it. I did research. I got six places here that you might want to eat at in Las Vegas. Now, listeners, I don't know if you know this here as far as this, but Mike doesn't know about these restaurants. We don't actually plan that well on the show, so he's never actually... (laughs) So he may have already eaten at one of these places. It's a possibility. So, Mike, just let me know if you've already eaten eaten at one. So true. uh, We're going to show six new restaurants. Now, also, asterisks, keep in mind, I've never actually eaten at these restaurants, but (laughs) I did heavy research, heavy research, and I'm going to endorse them. 
You have a certified right. Doc G endorsement. That means if you don't enjoy the food at this restaurant, I will pay for the meal. Sweet. That's how much okay. I am behind this this endorsement. Listeners, that all does right. not go for you. I can't pay for all eight of you to go out and eat. That's not going to happen. Nope. So only Mike. Only Mike. Okay, so first on the list, first place, John Moles Meat and Roadkill Grill. Have you ever eaten there? No. Yes, yes. So this is on uh, 3730 Tom Boulevard. It's a, uh, it's a barbecue place, uh, mainly. Mainly barbecue. Most of the meats they have, 16 hours to cook. Slow and low. Slow and low. Oh, yeah. And uh, they have one of my favorite barbecue specialties. That's burnt ends. Have you ever had burnt ends? Yeah, I had that at uh, Four Rivers. Amazing. I love burnt ends. And apparently, they really do it. They do it upright here at the Roadkill Grill. Um, This has been on multiple shows on the Food Network and the Cooking Network. So... It's it's got endorsement. They've been there for decades. Uh, and bonus, if you've killed any game recently, maybe a deer, maybe a wild boar, you can bring it in and they'll prepare all the meat Sweet. for you. What? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've been on any big game hunts recently, Mike, but <laughs> if you if you have, you can do that. So First on the list, John Moles. Anybody else in in Las Vegas, give it a shot. Or if you're going there to uh, 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 for vacation, it's it's supposed to be amazing. Some of the best best barbecue you can get in Las Vegas, right there. There it is. Endorsement one. Think about it, Mike. Nice. Put it Thank on you. the list. Thank you. Here's the next one. Fat Choi. Have you ever eaten at Fat Choi? No. Okay. Fat Choi, 595 East Sahara Avenue. Uh, it started, they, the, the people that own it started as a food truck back in 2010. And uh, like every week their, their truck would break down. So they got really annoyed at having the food truck. So they decided to uh, get a restaurant. And basically all they could afford at the start was like a broom closet and make it a restaurant. Mm. Literally their first restaurant, four seats. It had four seats for customers. Jeez. That's it. And uh, they called it the Great uh, Great Bow Restaurant, Great Boa Restaurant. And uh, then they opened up Fat Choi in 2012. Now, Fat Choi is supposed to be like American Asian cuisine, but they got pretty much everything. They got a lot of burgers that they brag about. They've uh, they got one burger with uh, peanut butter on it, which... Mm. I don't, I don't know about that. That sounds a little wild. Hmm. But I would suggest if you go there, grilled teriyaki. That, that would be my suggestion. I looked over the menu. I deliberated grilled chicken teriyaki. I know it sounds amateur hour. I know it sounds junior high, <laughs> but I think it will be pretty delicious. Fat choy. Hmm. Think about it, listeners. It's going to be a good one. Now, this next one, really interesting Four Kegs Sports Bar. Have you ever been to Four Kegs Sports Bar? Um, I sound. It does sound familiar. Okay. Where is it at? Two seventy six North Jones Boulevard. No. Okay. Not the spot I was thinking. This of. one's been there forever. This is an establishment. By forever, I mean it's been there since nineteen seventy seven. And wow. uh, by the look of their menu, that's definitely true. Like, and their website. 
Their website looks like somebody designed it on GeoCities back in like 1996. <laughs> like it's just so. The website is. I hate to tell you guys, amateur hour, but it's okay for kegs because the the food makes up for it. Apparently, it's like. When you look at their menu, it's Italian bar food. That's right. You know, it's all the Italian-American classics on there. And apparently, they have the best Stromboli in Las Vegas. So, yeah, best Stromboli. And I'd say keep it the original. They just have literally, it's called the original Stromboli. I say go with that. It looks pretty fantastic. It's got like sausage, pepperoni, onions, peppers. It's the real deal. And uh, the sh- a stromboli. Sorry, Doc. The stromboli. That's like a hot pocket, right? Like yeah, the, it's essentially the, okay. a calzone. Uh, except calzone. Ex- calzone. Yeah, essentially a calzone. <laughs> the only difference is is where the sauce is at, right? Calzone, the sauce is going to be on the outside. Stromboli, they'll actually put sauce inside. So you'll have the tomato sauce in there. The, you know, ah, okay. yeah. So it's basically, you know, like to a degree, like a, a closed pizza, you know, like, gotcha. yeah, like a, like a pot pie pizza, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Delicious. Deli- and apparently this place open 24 hours a day. So, oh. so I'd say the best time to go. 5.30 a.m. on a Tuesday, you know, <laughs> stromboli it up. Sounds good. There you go. The, come in. What do you want? Strom? Really? Yeah. 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 I'm here to party. Give me the stromboli. Yes. Sweet. Uh, next one. This is probably my favorite because I'm a pizza fiend. So this one, have you ever eaten at Those Pie Guys? No. I think I've seen their billboard, though, or their ads. Yes. Those Pie Guys, 2916 Lake East Drive. Uh, just just a classic pizza place here, man. So true. Chris and Roy started this restaurant. It's a Las Vegas guy and a classic New Jersey guy. They came together. And let's be honest, they're serving pizza. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it's very hard to screw that up. I'm not one of those pizza snobs that's like, no, you can only have it. This. No, 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 no. No, no, no. For me, if it's coming from Pizza Land, Red Baron, DiGiorno, Little Caesars, I don't care. I'm shoving it in my face. It doesn't really matter. But as far as those pie uh, pie guys go, this looks like, I mean, they're doing it right. That's a fact. And Hmm. I really enjoy the pizza that I'm going to suggest, which is the Big Sexy Pizza. Yeah. Hmm. The Big Sexy. Sounds nice. That sausage, pepperoni, garlic, onion, pepperoncini peppers yeah 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 i mean your breath's gonna smell horrible after that but so true. it's gonna be a deli- delicious pizza so you know that's so those pie guys so now we got two left i saved the best i think and it, it, the most outrageous for last but the next I'm so one, excited I mean, you've got places, man. You've got all kinds of places <laughs> now. Uh, the next one is, it's not a Las Vegas original, but they have the most locations in the Las, uh, Las Vegas area. So I was like, we got to go for it. Uh, Hash, ha- Hash House A-Go-Go. Have you ever eaten at the Hash House A-Go-Go? Yes, I did go there. Nice. I went to the one in Orlando. Nice, um, yes. They have yeah. one in Orlando. What'd you go with when you were there? Um, I went with the chicken and waffles. Mm, mm, now, see, and not yeah. that. How was it? Well, it was great. I would say, without hyperbole, there were it was probably enough food for like three people. Nice, 
Nice. Yeah. Now, now, what they're known for is that farm food, as they call it, Midwestern inspired food. Mm. The original, mm. the original was in San Diego, but uh, they, yeah, they put them in all sort of like, you know, tourist areas. So there's four of them in Las Vegas. Uh, now, if you go back, I would say you will not. You will not regret the hand-hammered pork tenderloin dinner. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That looks like they get the most advertisement out of it. The people like it the most. It's a fan favorite. You know, I say go go with that. Give give it a shot. Go back again. Give it a okay. shot. Andy and Johnny okay. know what they're doing at the hash house. Okay. Last one on the list. Like I said, have you ever eaten truffles and bacon? No. Truffles and bacon, 8872 Southeastern Avenue, Suite 100. Magnolia and Jackie are the owners. So true. They made it back in 2014. They were looking for a place they could just basically break all the rules of, of cooking and just make delicious, ridiculous stuff. And man, did they. This menu, oh, watch out. Watch out. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, belly burger. Get the belly burger. It, okay. It's a uh, wise decision. First of all, great choice Angus beef topped with pork belly, jalapeno bacon, pickled veggies, Korean mayo, and onion rings. Say what? Whoa. Whoa. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And they have a challenge. That's not the challenge burger, but they have a challenge. If you're feeling like you want to go in there and see how much you eat, they have this ridiculous, like, 10-pound burger you can order. But that's not the hmm. ridiculous size burger. But belly burger, that's it. Mike, out of all of those, which one do you think you want to eat at the most? Which one sounds like I got to hit that one up next? I don't know. That John Moles uh, the, the roadkill spot. The BBQ, huh? You're a sucker for some BBQ? Yeah. Ah, uh, that's like my soul. Nice. That's my soul food. Nice. Literally, soul food. What type yeah. of BBQ are you the most into? Pulled pork, brisket, what are you looking for? Uh, I mean, brisket, but if there's burnt ends on the menu, yeah. I'm going with burnt ends because yeah. I know. It's just a, it's just a crispy, yeah. uh, delicious, better alternative. So salty, so delicious, Just, but then you still got the tender meat in the middle. Oh, yeah. Mm. Huh? Burn ends. Give it to me. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that might be the spot. Oh, man. You got to hit all six of them. You got to let us know. They're fantastic. <laughs> now that I have told you the greatest places to eat in all of Las Vegas, certified Doc G, are you ready to fire the show up? Let's fire the show up, sir. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one. Zero and lift off. Woo! Mike, I mentioned this last week. We have a fantastic guest on the show. Um, this guy is a certified Nashville legend. So true. Like the more I got to be honest, I didn't know a ton about him when we got him on the show. I knew I, I knew his reputation preceded him and I knew of him. But the more I did research on him, I was just like, God, this guy's done it all, man. This guy's done it. This guy has been in the music field over four decades four decades in Nashville music and wow. uh, any like good 
true country that's coming out now, Tyler Childers, Sturgill Simpson. He won Grammys for working with both of those guys. Girl, come on! Both of those dudes. He uh, wow. He's worked with John Prine. He owned a, a, st- a recording studio with John Prine for 20 years. Uh, he worked for with Johnny Cash for 20 years. He worked with Rick Rubin for a decade. Like, Say what? This dude's done it all. And on top of that, he he looks like the dude from the from Big Lebowski, almost exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna put it on Instagram, and when I put it on Instagram, Mike, you'll be like, "Yeah, he does. That's that's the dude. He looks like him. It's crazy. He's like, <laughs> it's crazy. I can't wait to talk to him. He's super fun guy. Uh, he's got the coolest voice too. I wish I had his voice. Is a just a dope." gravelly i've seen it all voice you know like Mm. yeah it's cool it's cool can't wait to talk to (laughs) it but first let's start where we start birthday soon happy birthday mr president okay um this one i think you got i think there's one big song of his that you're gonna be like i know that so here we go uh born on september 8th 1987 in North Dakota. Did not know that he was born in North Dakota. Uh, his, but he was born in North Dakota because both of his parents were in the military. So they traveled a lot. Eventually, his parents divorced and his mom moved to Pittsburgh, where when he moved to Pittsburgh with his mom, he became fascinated with rap. That's a fact. He took the stage name that means successor and wisdom in Arabic. He started releasing mixtapes in the early 2000s. His first mixtape was Prince of the City, Welcome to Pistolvania in 2005. Mm. Uh, By 2010, he had become pretty famous in the rapping community. He signed with Atlantic Records. And then one of his most famous songs in 2010 came out, Black and Yellow, which went to (laughs) number one. He then released the uh, his full album, Rolling Papers. He had a movie with Snoop Dogg in 2012 called Mac and Devin Go to High School. He released three more albums, with the most recent being Rolling Papers 2 in 2018. This year, on Mask Singer, he placed third as Chameleon. Name that birthday suit wearer. Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa is correct. Yes. Turning 34 for Wiz. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He had a real, I don't know if you noticed this, but like, uh, yeah, is right around the time that he uh, started uh, doing the whole, you know, hanging out with Snoop thing and had the movie with him and whatnot. Uh, he he did a lot of, uh, did a lot of uh, weightlifting and got sort of ripped there. Like, you know, he was he was skinny and then he got he got some muscles that was. Really? Yeah, uh, apparently I saw an interview where Snoop was talking about it. It's like Snoop was like going to do it with him too and he did for a little bit and then Snoop was like, "You know what? Nah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's nah. better? Weed and Corona. That's better. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. So, you know, but I get I <laughs> we Corona the beer. Yes, yes. I uh, I tap I tap my hat to 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 or tip my hat to Snoop because like he just he just assimilates into his role. Like it's amazing mm-hmm. how like you know when he started out he was this crazy gangster dude you know and then now he's like old Uncle Snoop. 
Like that dude that will tell a, a raunchy story and be on the Corona <laughs> commercials, you know? Like, yeah. hang out with Martha Stewart, and you're just like, Snoop, you do it, man. You do it. You're good stuff. But, yeah. Wiz, 34 years old, love black and yellow, man. That song's awesome. That's a. Uh, I don't think there's ever been like a sort of a sports theme city song better than that. Nope. Like that's just if I was a Pittsburgh fan, that's that's your go-to right there. Um but they don't have an NBA team. But if they did, yeah. You better believe it'd be black and yellow, that's for sure. And so Oh, for sure. I don't know what their mascot would be. I have to think about it. What else could you have that would be black and yellow? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Other than a B. I don't know. Listeners, DM me or email me. Give me some ideas on what the NBA Pittsburgh team would be. Maybe they could steal the Sonics, but it just would be black and yellow instead of yellow and green. That'd be good. I'd be fine with that. Super Sonics. Pittsburgh Super Sonics. Yeah. That works. Anyways, let me know. Happy birthday, Wiz Khalifa. Uh... Mike, are you ready? Rip some headlines. Yeah, let's hear them. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Mike, have you ever been to a gender reveal party? Uh, no, never been. Good. Yeah, I'm very glad to say I've never been involved in one of those either. That's that's a fact. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you do at one of those things. Nope. Like, mm, what do yeah. you do as a guest? Like... I mean, honestly, like, what, like, I am completely neutral on any one of my friends and their kid. Like, I have absolutely zero interest in whether your kid is a boy or a girl. Like, why, why am I here? Like, oh my God, it's a girl. It's changed my life. Like, who, who cares? Anyways, I got sidetracked because people have these parties all the time, right? And uh, there seems to be a lot of disasters that happen at these parties. Um, This one wasn't a disaster. This was just a dumb move. So uh, last week, a couple in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which we talked a good deal about Murfreesboro last week because Hayden Kaufman lived there for a time. Mm -hmm. But a couple there decided to have a gender reveal party, and they found out that they were having a boy. Mm. And uh, upon finding that out, the dad was so jazzed that he decided the best way to celebrate would be to fire some, quote, celebratory rounds from his gun into the air. Hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, he just fired them off into the air. And uh, several people heard the guns go off, including uh, some folks in nearby schools, which actually caused the schools to go into lockdown because they heard gunshots. Um, Hmm. The man was later charged with unlawful discharging of a weapon within city limits. So I just, I got to be honest, Mike, like I... I don't see how that is the linear thought process in this situation. <laughs> like, I don't see how you're like, what? A boy? No way. We got to keep this celebration going. Hold on. <laughs> let me get my gun. Like, how? I don't have, first of all, I don't have a girl or a gun to do that with. Second of all, like, I, that would not be my go to as far as a celebration. Like, I just, and then what do you do? 
like as the other people when that happens are you like yeah that was good that was a good response nice firing shots get it like so weird does yeah does it happen with everything else with this dude is his wife like hey got a free chipotle because they uh they screwed up my order and he's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like just how many bullets does he go through in a day like that seems seems a bit much mike i feel yeah. like he somebody should have an intervention with him and be like hey you're a little too reliant on your gun for celebrations little one of us is going to get shot this yeah. is not healthy anyways mike um <laughs> don't they don't like gender reveal parties don't they already have like a like a celebration like yeah like there's a some... celebratory like explosion in the balloon normally there's like, like some kind of like you know they 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 blow something up or they explode something to actually see the the reveal you know yeah it's like in a balloon that they pop or it's in mm -hmm. like you know they throw something in the air and it dissolves into blue powder or pink powder yeah. or yeah, I, I don't I don't even know what this guy's was. I mean, maybe it was like a target shot, anyways, and he was just like shooting at a <laughs> balloon on a target. And then he's like, "Oh, hmm. why not throw a couple more?" You know, like. Yeah. Now, I mean, that would make more sense. Then I then I wouldn't think it was so weird. But like, if yeah. it was like you know bobbing for apples, and the apple had the color of the the gender, ah, blue, <laughs> look at that, you know, and then, <laughs> oh, that's weird. Anyways, uh, Mike, have you ever seen anything weird in a drive-thru? Hmm. Um, like, in the cars around you? Oh, that's a great question. I have. Nah, I don't think so. I mean, nothing that stands out. Nothing too crazy. Okay. Well, uh, it happened in a Wisconsin McDonald's this past week that Jessica Nelson saw something that caught her eye, and it was not Don Gorski getting his 40,000th Big Mac because we all know that happens in Wisconsin too. Don, I'm coming for you. You're coming on the show, man. You're doing it. Anyways, Jessica Nelson, she was in the drive-thru at McDonald's and as she was pulling into line, she noticed that in the car in front of her, she saw this big cow sticker on the back window, like taking up the whole back window. And she was like, oh, that's pretty funny. I want to take a video of that. And then she realized, oh no, that's an actual cow. That's a cow in the back of a car. Hmm. And apparently, it wasn't just one cow. They had three cows shoved in the back of a Buick. A Buick car. They had three cows in this Buick, Mike. <laughs> and the, new, the news organization that wrote this story actually hunted the man down who owned the car and his name was Bernie and apparently Bernie let him know oh yeah I bought those cows from a fair and yeah. I was just taking them home and <laughs> apparently he got hungry on the way home and so he decided to stop at McDonald's and that's where Jessica saw him hmm. so yeah yeah three cows <laughs> in your Buick now, the only, by the way, the only car that can fit three cows is definitely a Buick. Like, I, can't I mean, <laughs> that's a commercial, right? Like, I mean, they always try to have those commercials like, you don't know Buick, we're crazy and hip. It'd be so much cooler if they were like, you can fit three cows in this car. That's right. Take that. Take that to the <laughs> bank. 
Can you do that in a Honda? No. Nope. Nope. Way too small. Way too small. But I was thinking this doesn't have too much to do with the story, but like it'd be a pretty good name. Hmm. You know? The band named Three Dog Night, except in this case, Three Cal <laughs> Buick. Huh? Three Cal Buick. Anybody that's got a band out there and you want to take it, Three Three Cal Buick. I'm telling you. <laughs> you'll so be funny. famous with that name. Um I love though that this dude just <laughs> like I just I'm just thinking of Bernie at this fair that he bought these cows and then like the person that was selling these cows at this fair just sees him like shoving them into this car like oh yeah that makes sense yeah that's <laughs> that's how you transport cows like and then the fact that he got hungry and he was like you know it's way more important that I get this quarter pounder than worry about these cows taking 15 back of my Buick. Wait, what? It's fine. I got to yeah. pull over and get a, a uh, get get my quarter pounder with cheese. Like just just so and like in the picture you can partially see Bernie. And you know, there's no worry about Bernie at all. He's just sitting there casually holding the steering wheel yeah. and the cows and you can tell even the cows in the back their face is like what am I doing here? Why am I in a why am I in a car right now? This is not where I'm supposed to be. Three cow Buick, Mike. There you go. Um, um Doctor, I will say one time, and this is sort mm-hmm. of similar to that situation. Oh, okay. I went to Polo Tropical. Polo oh, Tropical. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I got out of my car. There was a live there was a chicken that ran there was actually there was like three or four chickens that ran past my my feet as i got out of my huh. car huh and uh i was like well, i this would is... say they're gonna use them at polio tropical exactly but, uh, it's fresh this is farm to table right here I, parking lot to I, grill i don't know <laughs> i doubt no one back there is gonna be cleaning game like they do at john moles i'm guessing that's not gonna happen that they're back there defeathering the chickens like hold on <laughs> It's taking a little bit longer than we thought. I mean, I've had it before, and let's be honest, it's it's not the best place to get a quarter <laughs> chicken. I mean, it's okay, but it's not my number one go-to if I'm in South Florida, that's for sure. No. Um, anyways, Mike, you know I'm a Michael Jordan fanatic. Yes. Um, being a Michael Jordan fanatic, I've got good news for all the other Michael Jordan fanatics. There is new memorabilia on the market. <laughs> Unique Michael Jordan memorabilia. So, uh, Leland Sports Memorabilia just received a bunch of stuff from the family of John Michael Wozniak. Hmm. So, uh, for the folks that have seen The Last Dance, if you don't remember Michael Wozniak, he was the dude in The Last Dance that had like the perm mullet the blonde perm mullet that yeah. beat Jordan at throwing quarters against the wall. Yeah, that guy. So true. That guy apparently has a collection of Jordan stuff. Like, so, well, he passed away. Uh, Wozniak passed away uh-huh. last year. But his family, like, you know, obviously they're like, we don't have any reason to keep this stuff. Let's sell it. So... They uh they they're selling a bunch of stuff. It's Jordan like there's coats, there's suits, there's shirts, ties. Uh all of these things are up for sale and Jordan wore all of these things. It was his garments. Uh but the thing that's getting the most attention is a pair of Jordan's underwear. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, a pair of Jordan's underwear that he wore is up for sale. Uh, there's 17 days left to bid on this pair of undies. And I love, in the description it says, these underwear, this underwear shows definite signs of use. <laughs> what? Ew. What? Ew. But there's, just, there's so many things about this item. First, like I said, the definite sign of use, like... I don't think I want to see definite signs of use in this mm -hmm. article of clothing. Like, I would prefer, even maybe if it's just, if I know they've been in, like, in his sports bag, I'm fine with that. That's all, like... So true. Second, like, if you're the one that actually gets this, what do you do with them? Like, do you frame those? Yeah. And people come in and you're like, hey, Jordan boxers. How do you feel about that? His... <laughs> Right there. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Amazing. And then the last thing, like, how did Wozniak come to own these undies? Like, did he win these in a quarter game? Like, on last dance? Was he like, okay, for this one, <laughs> I can beat you two throws, pair of undies on the line. Or did he, like, just, like, come up to Jordan while he's at his locker and be like, yeah, I noticed you that, that pair of underwear you haven't they've, they've been sitting there for a while. Are are you using those? You mind if I take them? Can can I have that pair of underwear? Huh? Or did he just like steal them? Was he just like, "Yoinks! My underwear <laughs> now." Like just I want to know how he came about that underwear. Can we call up Jordan and be like, "Hey, did you How did you give these to him?" Did you authorize or, us? <laughs> Yeah, did you authorize this? Or are these non-sanctioned undies? Uh, which would you prefer to have these undies back? Uh, I'm guessing not, since they show definite signs of wear. I'm guessing if you own a clothing company, you'll just get a new pair instead. It'd be a lot easier. Anyways, talking too much about his undies. If you want to buy them, they're up to like fifteen hundred dollars now. The oh, the bidding 1500? price. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not that's not a lot. I, I thought but, it would be but, a lot more. But keep in mind, they started days. at five hundred, and they're seventeen uh, days. Yeah. You know, there's some sharks that already know <laughs> they're gonna hold out till at least like forty thousand before they even start bidding. Yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna go. My guess. Let's see. I'm gonna guess they're gonna get up to twenty five thousand. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing twenty five thousand, because like his game worn shoes in really big games go up to like a million, but like and those are signed too. But this isn't signed, and you don't know when he was wearing them. This could been like you know to go work out in or something, which they probably were. So <laughs> I'm guessing twenty five thousand. That's my guess, guys. I'm gonna give you an update when they go off the market. Let me make a note of that. So that'll be in three uh, three weeks. Uh, the show in three weeks, I'm going to tell you how much they sold for. Okay. Uh, Mike, let's take a break. We're going to hear from old David Ferguson. There's a jam right here. This is a song, Boats to Build, right here on the Doc G Show. Time. Change. Tired of 
same old same Same old words Same old lies Same old tricks The same old rhymes And it's days Precious days They roll in And out like waves Got boards to bend Blanks to nail, charge to make and seas to sail. I'm gonna build me a boat with these two hands. It'll be a fair curve from a noble plan. Let the chips fall where they will, cause I've got boats. Now sails are just like wings Lord, the wind, it can make them sing Songs of life, songs of hope Songs to keep your dreams afloat I'm gonna build me a boat With these two hands, it'll be a Fair curve from a noble man Let the chips fall where they will Cause I've got boats to build Shows, distant shows That's where I'm headed for I got the stars to guide my way Sail off into the light of day I'm gonna build me a boat With these two hands It'll be a fair curve from a noble let the chips fall where they will Cause I've got both And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you get a chance, make sure you download the podcast. Always be up on all the recent shows. You can know all the trivia. Whenever I reference uh, an old show, you'll be like, yeah, I know about that. I remember about that. Instead of being the person like, what? I don't. I'm totally lost right now in this conversation. No, you'll know about animal fights. You'll know that <laughs> so true. Mike hasn't become a master yet of spotting out influencers on social media. 
You'll know all the great places that Mike's going to eat. You'll know how much Michael Jordan's undies sold for. You'll have all that info. So, so true. just download and subscribe. You'll make us feel better, and we'll appreciate it. And you, just like me giving Mike places to eat, you will have done your good deed for the day. That's what you'll have done. Mm-hmm. So, that's just my pitch. Anyways, we need to shout out the regulars. Here are the regulars. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Jittaway, Italy, Gainesville, Florida, Barcelona, Spain, Dublin, Ireland, Ashburn, Virginia, Boardman, Oregon, San Diego, California, Noka, Minnesota, Richardson, Texas, Katy, Texas, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Winfield, West Virginia, and Columbus, Georgia. Shout out. And I almost left them off. Peoria, Illinois. Shout Shout out to all the regulars. There you go. There are the regulars. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for knowing all that stuff. Actually, I don't know if you even listen. You might have it on mute the whole time. That's a fact. But regardless, thank you for pressing play sometime. We appreciate it. That's very, very nice of you. Uh, semi-regulars. Shout out to Waterloo, Iowa. Miss, Minsk, Belarus. Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, Sharon, Massachusetts, Oxford, Mississippi, Detroit, Michigan, Nagoya, Japan, San Salvador, El Salvador, Denver, Colorado, Mobile, Alabama, Boca Raton, Florida, Brandon, Mississippi, Apex, California, and Dunedin, New Zealand. Shout out. There we go. And a lot of internationals again. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, a lot of places there. I... I don't think I've been to any of those places on that. Oh, no, I take that back. Nope. I've been to uh, Boca, I've been to Detroit, and I've been to Denver and Mobile. Everywhere else I have not been to. And those are all, no offense, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not too keen on going there. That's uh, not high on my But if you give me three cows and a Buick, I may think about it. <laughs> that, yes! that could happen. Uh, okay, Mike, I got a couple of stories left over here that I wanted to bring up. Um, Mike, we've got royal family news out of England. Uh-oh. That's right. Yeah, royal family news. Apparently, the royal palace is pretty because the secret plans of Operation London Bridge were leaked. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In case you're wondering what Operation London Bridge is, it's the secret plans of what the country will do when Queen Elizabeth dies. Hmm. Yeah. In the plans were details like, get this, how all flags in the country would fly at half-mass within minutes of her dying, and the royal website would go black, and Prince Charles would address the nation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like pretty and after plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. After I heard this, I was like, you you needed a leak of top secret information to know that was going to happen? Like, I don't know. It's kind of like saying top secret info was l- leaked from the Food Network that Guy Fieri is going to keep going to fat restaurants across America until he explodes <laughs> from fried stuff. Like... Yeah, we figured. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, just, I don't know. And second, like, why was the palace Like, the queen knows she's 95. Like, 
You're not hiding that she's going to die. And, like, she knows England's going to continue being a country after she dies. Like, you're not shocking her with any new information here. Like, just, I feel like if we're all on the same page, it's probably better, you know? Like, hey, these yeah. things are going to happen. This is, this is what you're going to do. And, like... I don't know, like, and why, I, I just don't get why the palace is angry that, like, what, the surprise of mourning procedures were ruined? Like, come on! <laughs> Wanted to keep this secret! Like, just so weird. Yeah. Anyways, they're, they're, they're really angry that that's out there now. And, Oops. like, I feel, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they're just gonna, they're gonna be completely off on it anyways. Like, I feel like she's going to live, like, another 20 years. Then they're just going to be like, <laughs> oh, this was completely unnecessary. Didn't know she was going to turn out to be one of the oldest people ever on Earth. Jeez. All right. <laughs> I, wonder I mean, if, you like, got to figure. I wonder if she's, like, upset about these plans. Did, did she oh, know? That's, I mean, you know, they're already planning. Well, that's what, that, that's what I feel like. I feel like she couldn't be angry, you know? Like, yeah. hey, I'm old. Who gives a like of, of course like she's not living in some kind of fantasy land that she's gonna live till 200 she knows she knows the clock yeah. is ticking a little bit i mean you know but i'm just saying like come on guys be all on the same page who cares come on i mean she seems to be living it up anyways in her full full like and you gotta imagine she's gonna live for a while she gets all the best care of everything come yeah. on seriously she's clean Anyways, the the other story that I want to talk about, Mike, there were a couple of kids doing something that's pretty fun in St. Louis. Uh, they were getting their go-kart on. Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever go-karted like when you were a kid? You uh, yeah, and on? I freaking crashed onto a phone pole, and it scared me out of go-karts for the rest of my life. Jeez. That makes sense. Yeah. I would get that. Uh, pretty bad wreck? Just like straight on into it? Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad wreck. It was just, uh, just very startling. You know, I was a, like yeah. young, had no idea what I was doing. Never yeah. operated a vehicle or any kind of machinery in my life. And they just put me in let's a go-kart. Yeah. Let's be honest. When that happens, that was like my, my dad worked in grading and construction. And I remember one time he threw me up on a big piece of equipment, like a bulldozer. And he was like, yeah, just press the Ford. Scared the living bejesus out of me. I was just like, I, uh, this thing's huge. What do I do? I don't know. Like, it's it's a lot of power as a kid, even a go-kart. You're like, yeah. man, I'm controlling this thing? That's too mm -hmm. much. Too much. You know? Well, these kids were actually having fun at it. They were they were living it up. There was a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And apparently their grandma was watching them drive around a vacant lot. Like, there was just a, a lot near their house, and they were like, hey, you got this new go-kart, live it up, right? And uh, while they were doing it, probably one of the least fun things that could happen happened. A guy came up to them and pulled out a gun and demanded their go-kart, uh, which the kids very correctly handed their go-kart over, <laughs> which... Kudos to those kids. Smart yeah. decision, guys. I definitely uh, encourage anyone out there in the same situation, do it immediately. But uh, the man sped off with their go-kart. And uh, luckily, the police weren't too far away. They were right behind him. They caught up <laughs> to him, chased him. And just like you, Mike, they crashed the go-kart. Oh! 
Uh, in this chase, he crashed the go-kart. And then he tried to run away on foot, and he was arrested. But I just, like, I feel like if I was in the interrogation group of the police on this crime, I would just have to dig a little bit into, how'd you come on go-kart? <laughs> like, so many cars in this neighborhood that you could have stolen. You could have waited for somebody to come out of their house and been like, hey, give me the keys. I'm stealing your car. But you went with go-kart. Hmm. Did you think, like, it'd just be easier to get away with? Like, I don't... Did you... Did 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 you hear a different adage uh, than it's like taking candy from a baby? Did you hear it's like <laughs> taking a go-kart from a toddler? And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Let's go do that. Yeah. Like... By the way, let's pause and think about the d came up with this phrase. It's like taking candy from a baby. Who actually came up with that? Who is the first person that said that? And then you're like, do you actually do that regularly? Somebody, somebody should arrest this man. He's taking candy constantly from babies. Like that's, it's not nice. Or was he just like really sugar conscious? And he was like, this is not healthy. No, this baby can't have that lollipop. Regardless, it's a bad <laughs> phrase. It's a bad phrase. Yeah, it's and not, also, not good. Also, Mike, the go-kart, somebody needs to start a GoFundMe page for these kids. You yeah, know? For sure. I'm too lazy to do it, but, and I'm guessing most of our listeners are too. I'm just saying, somebody out there, maybe instead of subscribing to our show, your good deed, get these people a go-kart. I'll let it slide. So true. If you do that, you don't need to subscribe to our show. I'm okay with it, you know? I think that cancels itself out. Uh, been, uh, okay, Mike. It would have been funny if there was like a high-speed chase with a go-kart. Like I mean, there sort of was, I guess. There was a little bit of a chase, and then he just ran it right into a... a, a well, they didn't say that how he crashed it. He just crashed it somehow. Yeah. And then he got out and tried to run away. But, you know, I mean, yeah, regardless, you're like, really? How far were you getting with 25 miles per hour that they were like, should we just run over it? Is it like Mario Kart? Can you run over <laughs> it when he's teeny? Has that happened? Uh, watch out! Behind it. Yeah, watch out! Oh, no! No, oh, God! Turtle shell! Oh, it's a red one! Yeah, that could have happened. That would have been good. Yeah. I saw that. They, actually, a dude did that on Instagram where he dressed up like Mario Kart and he actually went driving around on a go-kart and police pulled him over. And uh, he had to, like, he, you know, did basically did all of the things of Mario Kart. And I was like, eh, that's pretty <laughs> I'll get, I like that. Nice. Nice. Anyways, Mike, got to do something really quick. We got to do some animal fights. We got to get a couple in. Yeah. A couple right. animal fights. Okay. Came up with a couple here. This one, snake on snake action. Who are you going? King Cobra, Burmese Python. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go King Cobra. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm going King Cobra all day. You think about this one, right? He's super poisonous. Yeah. He gets one bite on that Burmese python. It's done. And like a constrictor's got nothing on another snake. They got to constrict around a snake. That's so hard. Both of you guys are all loose noodles. Like that's so hard to get around <laughs> that guy. You know? So yeah, King Cobra all day. Yeah. 100%. Uh, my brother petted one, by the way, in India. You know, they got those snake charmers everywhere. He, yeah. He, 
petted one. It's pretty wild. He's got a video of him just, yeah, and them just like not giving a petting it. Like, oh, whatever. Go for it. See how that works. Um, Okay. Second one. This is a little bit of a thank piece. Uh, Killer whale versus two great white sharks. Who are you going? Hmm. Um, I'm going to go killer whale. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go killer whale. I mean, now, for the listeners that don't know, killer whales attack great white sharks. They kill great white sharks all the mm-hmm. time. That's they're, a fact. They're, they're sort of the kings of the, the sea. Like, they, they're attackers. Now, two, you could get some diversion tactics there, but still, I'm going killer whale. Those guys, I mean, they weigh like literally 12,000 pounds. Biggest great white gets up to like 2,500. You've got, they've got the same sort of maneuverability. Killer whale all day. Yeah. This one, we're going small. Praying Manus versus two-inch tarantula. I had to be specific there. Two-inch tarantula. Who are you going with? Hmm. Two-inch tarantula. I'm not sure what that is, but... Um... <laughs> I'm going to go, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think uh, tarantula. I'm going to go tarantula. Okay. Now, see, that's why I said a smaller tarantula there, two-inch size, because, like, the praying mantis, they're the killers, man. You look up any, you look up anything about praying mantises, they are the ultimate fighters of the insect bug world. Like, they're better at anything than, there's literally praying mantises that kill hummingbirds. Wow. They'll set they'll set beside the plants and just yak and get them. And they're uh you know, they're they're crazy attackers. Tarantulas, they really they look creepy. They're uh they're frightening, but really all they've got like their defense mechanism is throwing hairs at people. Blam. That's what they do. Mm. They throw hairs at people that irritate them. Now obviously if you're more their size, they can bite you with their giant fangs. But that doesn't really do much when you're 20 times bigger than them. It's not actually a poisonous bite, you know? Right. I'm going praying mantis. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't care what you say, listeners. I'm doing it. Okay? Okay. Last one. This actually happened in Fort Lauderdale the other day. My brother saw this go down. Full-grown iguana versus a house cat. Ooh. House cat. Yep. Yep. And house that's... Cat. My brother saw this go down, Fort Lauderdale. The house cat tore the iguana a new He went at him. He went at him hard, and he won hard. Uh, those iguanas, they're pretty much dumb and defenseless. They yeah, got, they got nothing. Got nothing except for like a spiky tail that they can sort of thrash at you. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But this iguana like outweighed this uh, this cat by a good several pounds, and that cat just tore him up. Just tore him up. Full iguana, just looking like a worthless wet noodle. That's it, man. There we go. Animal fights, guys. Woo-hoo. You wanna you wanna give me a couple ideas <laughs> on them? Send me a couple of uh send me a couple hypotheticals, listeners. Email me. All right. Okay, Mike. You wanna bring some next time? You can bring some, by the way. Okay. You, you wanna bring right. a couple? Bring a couple next time. I'm definitely week. going to. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. Uh all right. Ready for the next birthday suit? Yes, sir. Okay. Pretty positive you got this one. Born on September 8th, 1941 in Brooklyn, New York. 
He was born into a Jewish immigrant family. Birthday suit wearer became interested in politics from a young age. He once said a guy named Adolf Hitler won an election in 1932. He won an election and 50, 50 million people died as a result of that election, including 6 million Jews. So what I learned as a little kid is that politics are very very important. So true. He graduated from the University of Chicago in 1964 with a degree in political science. While in college, he was active in the civil rights movement. He also participated in several anti-war movements during the time. He moved to Vermont after he graduated. Eventually, he ran 1980 for mayor of Burlington. He won the election by 10 votes. He was re-elected three times as mayor, serving four terms. He went on after that to lecture at Harvard and Hamilton College in political science. In 1990, he ran for the U.S. House of Representatives and served from 1991 to 2007. He sponsored many bills, including uh, banking reform bills, the cancer registry to collect data on cancer diagnosis, and he opposed the war in Iraq. He ran for Senate in 2006, and he won the seat from Ver Vermont. In 2016, he initially ran for president, but eventually gave up his bid to endorse Hillary Clinton. Then in 2020, he ran and eventually gave up his bid and endorsed Joe Biden. He is currently still the senator from Vermont. Name that birthday suit wearer. Bernie Sanders. The Big B Sanders. Yeah. Bernie. Feel the burn. Turning 80 for Bernie. 80, man. 80. 80. I just, I like Bernie because he's just one of those guys that seems like he tells it like it is, you know? He's not going to yeah. sugarcoat it. He's not going to. And back in the day, before you were co-hosting, Mike, we had a uh, we had a guest that lives, uh, Ryan Montblue, uh, who lives in Vermont, in Burlington, and he saw Bernie at his grocery store. Apparently, they, they shop at the same place. And, Ooh. like, I love it. Because there he is, just looking the exact same way he was at the inauguration, wearing the same jacket, just walking through, just all unenthused. I'm like, there he is, that dude, <laughs> just being the exact same guy. That's him, you know? B. Sanders, man, just getting it done, you know? And say what you want. You may not agree with his politics, but that guy's invested. He's invested. Yeah. He wants what he thinks is best for people, and he's dedicated to it, been dedicated to it since 1980. And I'll tell you, too. In 1980, when he ran for mayor, he looked almost the exact same as he does now. He looked like an old, cantankerous man at the age of 39. Uh, and now at the age of 80, he looks like that same old, cantankerous man. Nice. Nice. Love it. Bernie Sanders turning 80. Happy birthday, Bernie. Uh, Mike, we're going to take a break. We will be right back with our guest for today. That is none other than David Ferguson, right here on the Doc G Show. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rock and Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are super excited to have a legend in the music field. A man Sturgill Simpson said, a bona fide card-carrying legendary hillbilly genius. And, believe it or not, he was actually born and raised in Nashville, Mr. Dave Ferguson. Fergie, how are you, sir? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm doing good. I am. I'm literally excited for this interview. I mean, you uh, you have done some things in the music industry, my friend. You have done some things. Well, I've been around, been around a long time. Uh, seems yeah. like uh, seems like I've been around a long time, and <laughs> I was lucky enough to have been born here in Nashville. And no, I kind of knew what it was when I was young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, now you've been, for the listeners who don't know, you've been in the industry for 40 years, and your first album, Nashville No More, is out. The You've been behind the boards, behind the recording for so many awesome albums. How does it feel to be the artist? Oh, you know, it's it's good. Um, it's good. It, it's uh, good. It's a nice release, you know. Uh, uh, not, a, not, a, not a musical release, but, I mean, it's just a nice way to... Let off a little, uh, a little music out there. The um, I did a, I did a, a, a re- another record one time of just Cowboy Jack Clement songs. This mm. guy I worked for put together a little record of, of, uh, of just his songs. But as far as, as far as the, this, this is really my first solo record coming out. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and it's songs that I gathered up through the years, you know, and um. And the pandemic allowed it to happen. For sure, for sure. Well, nothing I'll, else good from yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. I hope this did. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but uh, I did want to talk about. I mean, like you said, you uh, you were born and raised in Nashville. You've been there your whole life, and it it's got to be pretty wild. I was thinking about it to see the ebbs and flows in that city since the seventies, because. Does it feel like a different city now? Oh, it does. Yeah, it's um, it's totally different. Um, if I, you know, if I would have went into a coma when I was seventeen and woke up today, I wouldn't know where I was. It's, <laughs> it's really changed. It's really changed a lot. Um, the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's for. I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, yeah. change happens everywhere. It's grown and people have, and uh, country music has become so. Um, hugely commercialized that, mm-hmm. you know it's um it's bound to happen and so uh and now you know now the art like these artists have all they have they all got their theme bars and nightclubs on broadway and that is it's like um it's like bourbon street only only busier you know <laughs> i mean it i mean it's incredibly busy down there oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah and it's good. It's a good thing. I mean, the musicians. Have, one one really great thing is about it is musicians from all over the country and all over the world come there to play on Broadway. Oh yeah, and, and hone their, hone their craft, you know, and and that's that's a really great thing. I, I'm I'm glad that all those musicians have places to play. Oh you yeah, know? oh yeah, and uh, and there and you know I was down there the other day. I went down to see uh, my friend owns the Johnny Cash Museum down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went down there, and there was a you know there was a band playing in the restaurant there in the middle of the day, and they, well they were great, they yeah, were real good girl singer, they, they were they were great, they were doing all kinds of stuff, so yeah, it's a it's it's okay, I, I don't mind it, you know, but the old Nashville, the old school Nashville, 
is is uh, no more. Yeah, that, that's gone. Yeah, and, and um, and which is you know, I mean, it's kind of, but then had see that had also happened. The guy I worked for, Jack Clement, right, and Johnny Cash thought that that had happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so because they were actually when I went to work for Jack Clement, he was younger than I am now. Wow. And so was Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. those guys were me, and uh, and they seemed ancient to me. They seemed like you know old, <laughs> old legend, old tortoises or something. Yeah. They seemed so old and wise, but they were not that. They, they weren't that old. Yeah. And, and they're also though their their fame and their success, like Johnny's success was only about 25 years before that. Yeah. It was in the 50s. And this was, you know, I'm talking about the early 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, just just a few years before what seems to, you know, it's like, seems like yesterday now. So, yeah. anyway, anyway, and, and, and I was lucky enough to go to work for Jack Clement and learn how to, learn how to engineer stuff and work with Johnny Cash and John Prine. And yeah. Charlie Pratt and uh, Waylon and, you know, a whole bunch of them. Just just and, feels different you know, now with without those those oh, people yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's different. The old, you know, there's only a couple of the old legends left. You know, Willie. Yeah, Willie and and there, you know, there's not very many of them left. I mean, Chris Christopherson, he's he's yeah. around, but mm-hmm. he's not doing well. You know. Yeah. And so I mean, the old the old legends are are, are about gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well. Now, I mean, the 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 idea of of moving to Nashville has always been a thing because I mean that's what your 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 grandfather did. He moved to Nashville to that's become right. a, a musician. Right. Now, was he your first? That's right. He gave up his he, he gave he gave up his dreams. Yeah, he was he was the first guy ever really. You know, he had a he, we had a piano in the house. He raised us. And he had a piano and mm-hmm. and uh, he 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 had made he and his brother. In the, I guess in the forties, uh, the thirties and forties had had played silent movies, you mm. know, and down in Texas, and um, and and uh, he was a, he was a good piano player. He, I loved the way he played. He loved, he, you know, he played polkas and played all kinds of cool stuff on that on the piano and sang, you know, nice. And um, and I didn't I didn't realize till I was much older. That's a sad thing, but. He was a he was a real man. <laughs> you know, you you win you win favor definitely if you're if you're raising the grandkids too. So you know that's that's right. You you man up, you yeah. know, and raise your grandkids, give yeah. up your dreams, and work, yeah. work your whole life. Yeah. Now and now, yeah, he was, he was good enough to do that. Now, when you when you started playing, because you you started playing fairly young, were you geared towards country when you started picking up the guitar? Well, I, you know, I really, I really didn't start really playing the guitar very much until I was I started working for Jack Clement. Mm. Uh, I knew how to make some chords and stuff on it. Didn't really know how to play any songs, really. Yeah. And uh, but I, I played I played the bass in a couple of bands, you know, prior to mm-hmm. working for Jack. But one of my jobs working there at uh, at uh, the Cowboy Arms Hotel and Recording Spa was to uh, sat at the front desk and answered the phone mm-hmm. while the secretary uh, went to lunch. And so I would sit there and play the guitar, practice the guitar, and practice songs for that hour. Had a built-in that, practice session. That, nice. Yeah, I had a built-in. Yeah, and then Jack, 
Jack was, uh, you know, Jack played the dobro. Mm-hmm. Cowboy played the dobro, and and I would go in there, and he would say, "Let's play Wabash Cannonball," mm. and he would teach me how to play rhythm and keep time. Um, you know, while he played his dobro songs, he, we had we had seven or eight that he played on the dobro, and then and then I picked up the upright bass that was in the corner there all the time and started playing that in his office with him mm. and. And people would come. I mean, he was he was such a fantastic singer and and songwriter and player. He was so great that guy. <laughs> and uh, and I, I learned so much from him. Yeah, he was uh, really a my, my mentor. You know. Yeah. Well, now now me looking from the outside, Jack. Uh, he seemed to be a weird balance because it. I mean it. It seemed like he loved to like party. Like you know, he loved drinking. But he was also, and he was an outsider as far as like country music. But at the same time, he was a Marine and he worked for Sam Phillips and he seemed like he could be like a, a hard in the studio. Was, I mean, was. You know something, man? He, he could be. He was really a stickler for uh He, he could be a monster in the studio, man. I, I've seen it many, yeah. many, many times. I mean, he, he, would, he could be a monster in the studio. I mean, he, he would be very kind to the artist mm-hmm. very kind to the artist mm-hmm. but through the crew man he expected <laughs> you to really give your best get best work and be on time and and be happy and and that and and he but he he had a he had a streak in him man he wasn't the uncle fuddy-duddy that everybody lets on he was a he was a hard a yeah. lot of a lot of the time and uh, and i remember you know he he taught me some lessons early about stuff. Like one time I left the window down on the pickup truck, the house pickup truck. And, <laughs> and man, he, I paid 25 bucks for that. You know, I wouldn't make him about a hundred dollars. <laughs> I never did it again. You know? Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, a he was a strict man. And, um, but now he would not judge you for, uh, I mean, if you could on your time, you could drink and smoke as much weed as you want to. But, that's on that's on your time, but when you're when you're on the clock and working and that, you don't do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And um, so he can, he could, but <laughs> I mean he's he's paying the checks. Yeah. And but he wouldn't. I mean, if he was producing somebody like Johnny Cash or or producing a record, he'd be he'd be on his best behavior and sober. Yeah. And uh, and really really focused. Yeah. But he you know, he had a he had he was he was a Marine all the way to the end. Yeah. He was uh yeah, he was uh, he was a tough guy. Yeah, because I I think it's like you said, like that's uh, you, I see it in all the documentaries, you know, and uh, portray him as just this happy-go-lucky guy. If you got it, you know, if oh if, yeah, oh yeah, man, they've they've missed every time so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, there's, yeah. there's talk of making a movie about it. Yeah, you know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I think somebody's picked up the, you know, they got a budget and all that stuff. And yeah, you know, the, his story is really interesting. Though he, he his story is really interesting. The way he started and and uh, you know, and how he had his success. And he wasn't an outsider in the music business until the music business started sucking. <laughs> you know, he yeah he refused he refused to suck. Yeah. I mean, he wanted stuff to be real and, and art true art mm-hmm. and so he he was relentless in that way mm-hmm. and didn't care what anybody else thought yeah and so 
Therefore, I mean, he was at one time the most successful uh, record producer in Nashville. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, he produced everybody. Yeah. And, and uh, during his Charlie Pride uh, RCA years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he, you know, then he discovered marijuana. <laughs> and I, I don't believe he ever wrote another hit song after that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when you were working there, you obviously learned how to record. You learned how to record on tape. Uh, do you still record on tape? Is everything you do still tape? No. It's, it's, uh, so when I started working there, there was an engineer there uh, that really taught me how to do it. His mm-hmm. name was Jack Groshmall. Mm-hmm. And his nickname was Stackatrack because he could go up there all by himself and and sit there and play all the instruments and record himself and sing all the parts. He's a great singer. He really studied the Beach Boys. You know, he could really mm-hmm. sing. He sounded like the Beach, like the Beach Boys, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, so, and he he had he had learned his chops in L.A. at the um, at at the record plant, mm-hmm. and had done lots of jingles and that kind of stuff. And there's all you know, there's all these tricks you can do with analog machines. You know, like like make one run backwards and yeah, and 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 put it and stop it and take it off the off the capstan to do spot erase by hand, mark it with a pen, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, it's like a lot of different things. Add it with a razor blade, cut up choruses and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he taught me how to do all that stuff and use the patch bay and how to ping. And that's that's where you take... So you don't, you've got 24 tracks and you do this with 16 track or 8 track or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you fill up, you fill up uh, all but two mm-hmm. and then you mix down as many as you want to to those two tracks in a stereo mix, and then you can reuse those tracks. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's called pinging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, so he taught me how to do that stuff and how to use echoes. And that I, I really owe Jack, I really owe Stack a lot, uh, Jack Rushmall. He's, he really taught me how to do it. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, um, he's, he's pretty much retired now. He lives down in Florida. Nice. I talked to him once in a while. He was great, though. That guy was truly great. Now, now, so, but, like, once you went over to, uh, you started in Butcher, uh, Butcher Studio, did you actually use tape there? When, when, you know, when I got that place, Roland had come had, had come out with this mm. all-in-one box, like a 24-track that was, like, endless what you could do with it and all that stuff. I started with that, and... It was just not. It was just not a very good format. It yeah, was, it sounded okay. It sounded okay, but mm-hmm. it was um, hard to maneuver, hard to get around. It took me a month to learn how to run that thing. It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, then I, I just I moved. I went on to Pro Tools. Gotcha. You know? I started yeah. working with Pro Tools out in uh, L.A. with Rick mm-hmm. Rubin out when I was working on those cash records. Yeah, and uh, learned some moves on those. On that, when I was out there, and then I bought a Pro Tools rig and um, and got more efficient at it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, their guys make that thing talk. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The ins and outs of it, for sure. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. When now, when uh, Cowboy Jack, obviously, for the listeners don't know, it's like you said, uh, he I, he did everything. I mean, all kinds of artists, all kinds of classics. And I know, yep. it, you know I've heard you say before how much you know, sort of the the seventies uh, tunes impacted you, and how you liked the uh, the, the sounds. Uh, do you have a favorite that he produced 
uh, before you got there that you wish you'd been like a part of? Well, yeah. I mean, when I when I went to work there, I had no idea that he had produced those Charlie Pride records. Mm. I mean, I didn't know who the guy was really. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember when I when I was young, uh, you know, hearing uh, "Is anybody going to San Antonio?" and mm-hmm. and "Kiss an Angel Good Morning," you know, and and. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they couldn't turn the radio on without hearing those. Yeah, and, and yeah, I would have, I would have loved to have been around for, for the, for the Charlie Pride stuff, and and uh, you know, I think that was sixty eight, sixty nine, and seventy or something like that. Mm-hmm. There, that was right, and and the other stuff. I mean, I would have loved to have been with him in Memphis, you know, at Sun. But oh yeah, I was at Jack's a whole lot longer than he was at Sun. He was only at Sun two years. Yeah. But in that two years, he did a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, they were and, uh, bringing people in and out, yeah. Yeah, well, he, you know, he, so Sam Phillips hired him to be a like a house engineer producer guy. And mm-hmm. and Johnny Cash's contract was running out, and he, Johnny, Johnny owed Son 30 more sides, 30 more songs, 30 more recordings. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, Sam says, you know, just go in and finish it, you know, finish out your contract with Jack, you mm. know, and because I think Sam was a little perturbed with Johnny or whatever. But he got over that. And, but, and Johnny and, and Jack didn't like each other at first from what I gather. And mm. then they just became inseparable friends, you know. <laughs> and and enough time together. One, yeah. Well, if there's one thing about Jack Clement, he knows how to keep his artists happy. Nice. And, I mean, he, that he really, really knows how to respect an artist and treat them with respect, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that, that matters, you know, that really matters. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. Now, now, do you remember the first time that you met Johnny Cash when you're working there? I do. Um, Jack had bought this, um, <laughs> this fancy exercise bicycle that you <laughs> Clip this thing on your ear and it keep up with your heartbeat. Uh-huh. And it was in his bed. It was in his bedroom. Jack wasn't in the building, and Johnny showed up over there, and I was in that in that bedroom doing something. And Johnny said, "Johnny said, hmm, who's he going to hire to ride that?" I turned around. It was Johnny, and then that was the first time I ever met him. You know? And yeah. I had seen him when I was a little boy. I'd see, I saw him at a jewelry store. My grandmother was picking up a piece of jewelry from him. He comes walking out of this jewelry store, you know, and gets in a big black Cadillac, drives off. You know? Yeah. That was probably in 69 or something. But, yeah. Uh, we, we were really good friends, and I really loved that guy. He was really funny, and he wasn't the big, dark person everybody puts him out to be. He was very, very lighthearted yeah. and funny. Yeah. Yeah. But now, and just a good dude. You know? Oh, he seems like it. He seems like it. Uh, I mean, you know, from from what I gather, obviously, uh, <laughs> from from a far away perspective, uh, what, you engineered all the 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 five American recording albums with Johnny Cash. The the last, you know, his sort of. Last... Well, I, I didn't do. I didn't do them all. He, I worked on all of them a tiny bit. The first two, the first two, uh, Rick. Rick did the the one with just Johnny and his guitar. Mm-hmm. That was recorded in the living room by Rick. Mm. And 
and and then I, 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 that was like their first encounter with each other. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, he said, "Sit down, and sing me some songs." And Johnny brought his songbook there and, and sat down and and recorded that in Rick's living room mm. with Rick just pushing a button. Yeah. So that's and but after that, Rick, I mean, even for that first record, Rick did a lot of recording on Johnny with different bands, different musicians, but he went back to that day mm. and put that out as the first record, which mm. was very smart, and very shocking. Nobody, nobody expected that. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so, and the second one, the second one was engineered by a girl named Sylvia Massey, mm -hmm. who was a great engineer. I think she retired from engineering. She produced a big rock and roll band or something, made a bunch of money and moved away, retired somewhere, Northern California or so, somewhere. I, I mean, that's the last I heard, but that's been, but yeah. the, the others, the others I was, I was highly involved with. There were lots of engineers working on those yeah. records, but I recorded Johnny's parts. Yeah. Yeah, now did did Johnny ask you to be a part, or was it Rick that asked you to be a part of the the recordings? Well, I was, I Johnny, I had been, I'd already made records with Johnny in the yeah. in the eighties, Jack Clement, and, yeah, and we were really good friends, and I and he said, you know, I, I heard him tell somebody one time, he said Ferg wanted to record me when nobody wanted to record me, mm. and he says he's. If I, if, I, if I have my way, Ferg's going to engineer it, whatever it is. And so he stuck to he stuck to that. You yeah, know, he was very loyal. And uh, so Rick came to town to to record him mm -hmm. for the third record. Yeah, uh, and and then Rick asked me. He said, "You want to come to LA and finish the record with us?" And I said, "Well, hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah up and. And I didn't know what I was getting into, you know, yeah. because it took, it took months. I had to go to L.A. for months, you know, and I did that several times. I went out there for, you know, three or four months at a, at a time. And it's hard to be gone from home that long, but yeah. I, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. Now, now Rick's obviously, he's, he's not a Nashville guy at all. He's a New York guy. He's basically, up to that point, he was known for all rap and, and, and metal uh, albums. Uh, how how different was it from what you'd experienced up to that point as far as like the you know the studio that you'd experienced when you started working with Rick how different was that well it was really different you know I mean I did you know Rick Rick was uh Rick was making several records at a, at a time he yeah was, like I'm, I think first trip I went out there he was working he was doing the chili peppers and yeah and somebody else and this and that and he was working in several different studios and I would get stuff ready for him and play it for him and stuff. And, mm -hmm. Or I would go upstairs. He was still living uh, in the house where the studio was in the basement, mm -hmm. which was on Miller Drive. And that's where that's where I did those records. But um, <clears throat> there was, and then there was, you know, a couple of, some of them, some of those records, there was other engineers working at other studios on them, mm -hmm. editing Johnny, editing mm -hmm. the band. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, trying to get it listenable. Yeah. And so, so anyway, yeah, it was it was a different experience, but it's still still studio work. You yeah, know? I mean it's 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 not working in the studio is not nearly as glamorous <laughs> on the inside as it looks from the outside. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're just locked in a you're just locked in a room with a bunch of equipment, you know. A lot more dirty work you than know? it looks. 
Yeah. It is, man. It's, it's really, and you get tired, and, and you get tired of listening to the same thing over and over again. But, I mean, it takes a lot of drive to listen to a song three or four hundred times. Yeah. You know? And listen to, you, listen, you have to listen to one at least probably a hundred times. You know, yeah. I mean, at least, yeah. You know, you're going to hear it a hundred times before it's done. Yeah. So, multiple. I mean, just imagine listening to a song. <laughs> I, I, I try to listen to it two more hundred times. So I can be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, now during those recordings, that was when you met Matt Sweeney, uh, and yeah, you you've worked yeah. with him a bunch since then. What you know, what makes Matt such a, a good musical partner? Well, I found out me and Matt's birthday's on the same day. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which is kind of strange. But he's, um, I don't know, he, he kind of opened up musical doors for me in a lot of ways. He, he, uh, okay, so, so Nashville, Nashville, the way I was, I, I was taught in this business is, is that you get on a schedule, mm -hmm. you do a schedule. There's a thing called a session in this town. Yeah. And this are all, these are old school union rules. Mm -hmm. So, you start the session at 10, at 10 a.m., and it goes to one. You do three hours. Then mm -hmm. you break for an hour, and then you come, you do three more hours, mm -hmm. right? And and so, and then you can break and come back and do three more hours, but most people don't because six hours of, of music nonstop is usually enough yeah. for the day. That's that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the L.A. way of recording and the New York way of recording have nothing to do with that. They could care less and and so you know your guy might show up at noon or one and come in and order some coffees and food yeah <laughs> and then start talking about recording yeah you know and so i kind of threw the rule book out the window yeah you know that's one reason why i like him is because of that but that's one of the reasons why he likes me and coming here is because i stick to the rules <laughs> you know and so and so we know, I know when I'm going to be working and when I'm not. Yeah. And so there you can have a life other than the studio. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, anyway. Matt, Matt introduced you, uh, to Dan Auerbach too, right? He did. He did. He was, he was making a, um, I think it was, a, I think it was a Buddy Holly tribute record mm. or Ricky Nelson tribute record. Mm. One of the two. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, and, uh, the Black Keys, Dan had just moved to Nashville and was building a studio and it wasn't near ready yet. Mm -hmm. And so Sweeney knew them guys and yeah. got them to uh, a cut for that. And so they came over to my to my studio, the butcher shop, and, yeah. and cut it over there. And then we took it over to Cowboy Clements and mixed it. And Dan, I, told, I started introducing Dan to some of the old school guys around. Yeah. Dan and I have become really good friends and produced a lot of records together since. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, so he was, I guess you would say, like, when you met him, he was sort of halfway blown up as far as the Black Keys. The, they, they were well known by that time he was starting to put the studio down there. They were, they, they had just, I think they had just kind of blown up. Yeah. Uh, I think the Brothers record maybe had just come out or they just come off tour with that or something. I, I don't know. I, I think it was about nine years ago. Yeah. I think he's been in Nashville nine years now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his his studio now, he's built a, he's built a magnificent studio. I really love it over there. Oh, it's called yeah. Easy Eye Sound. Yeah. And then there's all the records that he makes on Easy Eye Sound, Yola and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, CeeLo, CeeLo and mm -hmm. everybody, man. 
Yeah. Pretty happening over there. Nice, nice. Now you you guys just put out the the John Anderson album just last year, right? Uh, together. That's right. Yeah. Yep, we've we produced that. We worked our ass on it. And got a big rollout for it, and and then COVID just come along and just kicked us in the guts. You know. <laughs> yeah, happened. Happened. You know, couldn't, couldn't couldn't really promote it. You know, couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it, it just killed it. Mm. And that's, mm. that's such a shame, and it's had millions of views of the song Years. There's a song Years, that's the name of the record. Yeah. Years. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good record. Yeah. Really good record. We worked so hard on that. And nice. For it just to be, you know, killed. Yeah. You know, by, by the virus. The virus is... Uh, yeah. It hurts. It hurt a lot of albums. That's for sure. That is uh, sure did. definitely hurt some and well and careers as well. But um, you you and Matt ended up doing the music for Red Dead Redemption, the video game, which uh, just on the surface when I heard that didn't really seem like a, a Fergie project. Did did Matt have to convince you on that one first? Uh, like this will be well, worth your while. Well, I mean, the, you know that. They, uh, it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was a challenge, and I love the movies. I, I, I love everything to do with the movies. Yeah, and that, and it's kind of like a movie. You know, it's kind of like working on a movie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, we'd see a we'd see a, a piece of it, a, a a mission. They called them, you know, called yeah. them a mission. Mm-hmm. And then and then they'd say, you know, here's the flavor we'd we'd like to have. We you know we want authentic instruments and. And I, you know, I'm I'm pretty well versed in the musicians that are in Nashville that are at our disposal, and they're all so good. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when they play the real the real thing, so yeah, I mean, it was it's really a a good fit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was very challenging to make it to to do something that's a loop that that you don't want to sound like a loop. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. And, uh, so, you know, we would do, you know, most of them, you know, some of them are a couple of minutes long, mm-hmm. you know, and then they then they repeat because what happens is in this game, I'm, you know, me not being a gamer, but I've played it enough to know yeah. that I'm not good at it. But uh, it's like, you know, when you're playing this thing and you're supposed to like, you know, get up on a porch yeah. you know, or something mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and you keep trying to get up on the porch, yeah. so it's, you know, the same music plays while you're keeps you know, while repeating you're yeah mm-hmm. so you know, whatever task you have it you know it just it repeats so yeah anyway but they have a way of, of weaving stuff in and out to give it to make it more intense or yeah lighter or, yeah or satisfying but it's i mean really interesting and i really enjoyed it it's it's wild that the house building song you know has well over a million streams on spotify just by itself i was I was wondering, have you ever have you met a person since you did those songs that like has no idea you've done other things in the music industry, but they know your song from Red Dead Redemption? Has that happened? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't know if I've even. There's only one person that I know that's ever said that that really, you know, I mean, people read about it, but I don't, you know, this, yeah, this this kid up. Works up at the store up the road from my house in the country here yeah. in Goodmansville. Yeah, you know he's a gamer, and I let it slip in there. I was working on that game, and he absolutely went nuts. 
<laughs> and so I, I gave him a bunch of swag, you know. They gave, they gave me some shirts. And nice. Stuff. So I took him some stuff in the game and that. He, you know, There's... I mean, he... Uh, he had, he had played that game through. It had been out but a couple of days, and he buckled down and played all the way, you know, got to the end. Yeah. You know, and I may could never get to the end. <laughs> well, he definitely, he definitely appreciated the tunes, that's for sure. That's Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, was, it was fun to work on. I enjoyed it. Nice. Now, well, now, uh, before that, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about it a couple times there, but... Uh, in 2005, you started the uh, studio, the butcher shop, uh, and that was that was with John Prine. How did that How did that come about? You know, as far as you and John starting that. Well, I had a I had a studio in my house. I had a place in my house, and then and then uh, well, I had a place on Music Row in a room, mm-hmm. uh, just a room mm-hmm. on Music Row, and then I had to get I had to move it out of there, so I moved it. And I was renting this little tiny, t- tiny house in Nashville, and I put it in the living room mm-hmm. of this little house. Mm-hmm. And John would come over and, you know, and uh, you know, play songs in the microphone, and you know, record little things and do stuff. And mm-hmm. like when he had to do a voiceover thing or something, he'd come over there and do it. And he just loved it, you mm-hmm. know. And it, what he and Pat McLaughlin wrote a lot of songs together, mm-hmm. a lot. And so they would need to make a work tape of the of the song and so they would come over there and they were my really close friends and I had to, so I moved let's see I wanted I wanted a studio and he said he said uh, he said man I know these people that have you know this big these buildings and uh, I think I can get us a room over there and he did he got us you know this big room is 800 square feet 800 square foot room and, yeah and um uh, so I put in the equipment and that, and then it, uh, you know, it, it turned out to be a, a a good thing. You know, we did a lot of good recordings over there. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, yeah, that's where the that's where the Grammy work came from. That's where a lot of the most recent uh, work came from. Let's let's talk about the new album. You've uh, you've been like you said at the start of it. You we actually have the pandemic to think about this album uh, because you basically had some extra time, right? That's what sort of got you to well, put it I had, together. I had to close. I had to close the butcher shop down, mm-hmm. and, and I opened a. Um, I had to close the butcher shop down, so I put my, a control room in on my property in another building. Mm-hmm. And pandemic kicked in, yeah. and there was no no work, and so I would just go out there every day and dig through my hard drives and look for stuff. And so I just started getting stuff out that I'd done, you know, and um, finishing it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, sent sent some stuff off for people to overdub on. Yeah, and, uh, they were nice enough to do it. And if, if it wasn't for the pandemic, they probably wouldn't have had time. Yeah. Or, or they wouldn't be recording at home. Yeah. You know? So, and so in a lot of ways, the pandemic is really responsible for this record. Yeah. Now, and uh, I just hope people like it. You know. Well, now a person that really loved it was Matt Sweeney. Uh, apparently, he went. Uh, yeah. He went pretty bananas for it. Would would do you think you would have? Yeah, he, released it in the way you released it if he hadn't have told you like this is so great put it out well you know i don't know I, no i probably it probably just been laying aside you know just something like, <laughs> like some copies from my mother or something but yeah um i sent it to him because i run stuff that i do by him yeah he's a he's a good critic 
And he went nuts over that song Chardonnay. He said, man, this thing is incredible. Yeah. You know, and he played it for his mother and stuff, and she mm -hmm. loved it. And so he forwarded it to the the powers that be down at um, Fat Possum. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just so happens that uh, Sweeney's doing A&R for Fat Possum now. No. You know, he was, he's like, he's like finding artists in that. Mm -hmm. Fat So... And I knew Matthew Johnson. I've hung out with him a few times. He's a great guy. Now the guy's uh, Patrick Addison down there. And yeah. then there's uh, the other the other guys. But, um, yeah, and they liked it. So here it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you got a, you sort of collected these songs over a good good while. Just sort of, it seems like, some of your, your favorites there. <laughs> And you chose you chose one of my favorites of, of the 70s artists there, Gordon Lightfoot. You did Early Morning Rain. Oh, yeah. I learned that version of that song from John Prine. Mm. You know? Uh, is is he, that... He played it like that. It's probably wrong, but... <laughs> uh, was uh, that... Yeah, I learned that. I learned that from Prine. I, I recorded it on him one time. I wish I knew where that tape was, but... Um, uh, yeah, I, I really like that song. I yeah. love Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, such such a such a good delivery, such a good sound as far as his voice, just so smooth. Um, yeah, he's great. And it definitely has a, a good, you know, good curveball with the John Prine approach, for sure, doing it in the, the yep. different style. <laughs> now, now, as far as the art, album artwork, I don't know if anybody's told you this, but I was looking at the album artwork. Has anybody told you that you, you give off a real Jeff Bridges vibe from the Big Lebowski? That... <laughs> I don't. I don't mean to. That's, that's just the way I look. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I, th I think it's good. I, I, I love it. It's uh, well, that's what well, the dude abides, man. The dude abides. There you go. Immediately, that's what I thought. I said the dude. He's got some. He's got some Crosby still, or he's got some uh, CCR in that car for sure. I know it. <laughs> the dude abides. I love that movie. He's great. Oh, it's good. Now was this? Now was this well, an album a one-time deal or? Or do you see, see yourself doing more albums? Is this a uh, can can the listeners you know, I like, think know. one? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, uh, let's see what let's see what, how the people like it. There we go. There we go. I like if I, it. If I have to come back by popular demand. I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like. I think you. I think you're gonna have to. I think. I think people are gonna like it. Um, Fergie, we. Well, thanks, man. I yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, Ben, thanks for having me on there, brother. Yeah. And, uh, you guys stay safe. For sure. You guys stay safe. Try to, try to listen to some good music if you can. Of course, yeah. We're going to listen to some now. Listeners, you can check out all David Ferguson work on all your streaming services, Spotify and Apple Music right now. Let's take a listen to Chardonnay off of Nashville No More. Chardonnay, Chardonnay 
here on the Doc G Show. You just heard David Ferguson, better known as Fergie, right there. New song off of his new album with Margot Price. That's Chardonnay. Yes! Chardonnay. Man, 
good album all the way through. I wish I had like I know I know I know Fergie didn't want to do it, Mike, but I wish I had like ten hours to talk to that dude, like or more. Like you could write an easily, easily such an entertaining biography off of that guy's stories, like just all of those things that he's done. And such yeah. a such a cool job to start off with, like such a big name that he worked with with Cowboy Jack Clemen there in in uh, Nashville. Like I don't know, like I I was I was thinking about that during the break as far as what that would be relative for you. That would be like if you started off in comedy and you were like Richard Pryor's personal assistant or like yeah, right. Robin Williams personal assistant or somebody like that just like huge name in comedy and you're just their their right hand man like how cool would that be be so dope you'd yeah, have be awesome so many awesome stories like he did and then you get to work with you get to be John and Cash's best friend and record John and Cash for 20 years like i mean think about that uh, like such an icon in music, Johnny Cash, and this guy probably, I mean, outside of his family, spent like some of the most time with him over the last 20 years of his life more than like anybody else outside of his family. Like crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Super fun. If you guys get a chance, of course, uh, you know, download Fergie's album. It's also out on vinyl, it's also out on CD. If you're a CD man, I'm not. I'm a vinyl man. But, you know, mm -hmm. I used to be a CD man back in the early 2000s. Yeah. I got about 800 of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I downloaded them all to my uh, my digital library. So now they just sort of sit there in my closet collecting dust, you know. You still have them? Still have every single one of them, all 800. Yep, yeah. In my closet. Uh, but now, like, you know, here in the studio and whatnot, the vinyl just keeps building up. Now I have more. The thing I need to get, listeners and Mike, I need to get a, uh, I need to get a vinyl cleaner. Word. I need to get a cleaner. Because mm. that's like the worst thing, you know, for vinyls is getting dust on those vinyls. Because yeah. it'll start molding into those grooves. That's where you get all yeah. the pops. That's where you get all the, you know, all the, the background noise. Uh, so I got I got to get a good cleaner. It's got to happen. But that's aside from the point. I was talking about Fergie, and I just got <laughs> completely sidetracked. Fergie's a cool nickname, though. I mean, even though the Black Eyed Peas Fergie sort of stole it from him, but it's a cool nickname. I like that. Yeah, for sure. That's a good that's one. A good one. Uh, okay. Remember, listen to the album, folks. Check it out. David Ferguson, first album in 40 years. Pretty awesome. Grammy winner, multi-Grammy winner, working with all the big names, a national institutionalist there. Any Nashville institutionalist. All right, Mike, third birthday suit. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, I think you got this one, too. I think you got this one. Uh, mid, Let's see. Mid-2000s uh, musician here. I think you got him. Uh, born on September 8th, 1989 in Stockholm, Sweden. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer was fascinated with music from a young age. By 2007, he, is, he was signed to a label and was mixing lots of music, and he was really performing a lot of deep house music. He initially had a stage name but changed it when his stage name was already being used on MySpace. So he's changed his name to a term that means the lowest level of Buddhist hell. Wait, what? In 2011, mm. he released the song Levels. The song launched him into stardom. 
He then released the song Sunshine in 2012, which was Grammy nominated. In 2013, he released the single Wake Me Up from his album True. Made a birthday suit where uh, the second most streamed artist in 2013. Then in 2013, he released his single Hey Brother. His next album was released in 2015, titled Stories. It had several singles, including Broken Arrows featuring Zach Brown Band. In 2015, Mike Posner took a bill in Ibiza to show our birthday suit wearer he was cool. When he finally got sober, he felt 10 years older, but something to do. What? Sadly, our birthday suit wearer died in 2018. Name that birthday suit wearer. I am so bad right now. I have I know who it is, but I I'm blanking. Starts. I, I with wanted a, to say. Hmm? What is it? What is it? Starts, starts with, with what? an A. And I watched a documentary on this guy. I'm not going to waste your time talking. <laughs> a VG. There it is. I watched a documentary on him. I such. I'm. I don't know why I didn't. Have Forgetting that. names, man. I thought. I thought yeah. the Mike Posner lyrics would give you. Give it to you. I thought for that some would reason do I had, for some reason I had David Guetta. Guida. He, he played. Yeah, he performed with him. His song "Sunshine" was with him. Uh, he, yeah, he worked with him a lot. I mean, they definitely worked sort of in the same field. You probably saw him all over that documentary, no doubt. Um, yeah, but yeah, Avicii man, sadly, Avicii. obviously didn't uh, only lived to twenty nine. Uh, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, such, I mean, so many good songs. Levels and True, oh man, so many good songs in, on both of those albums. So Yeah, good. he's got a lot of bangers. So good, man. And of course, like that's, sadly for me, for some reason, that's all I ever think of. Uh, you know, Avicii, the first thing that comes to mind is that Mike Posner took a pill in Ibiza to show him that he was cool. That's... That that starting yeah. line, I just always think of, man. And I'm like, really? You thought that would make you cool, Mike Posner? That you were like, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm taking these drugs. Do you think I'm awesome? I'm like, you are the poster child for peer pressure. That is sad. Like, <laughs> just be yourself, Mike. Just be yeah. yourself, Mike Posner. Anyways, I mean, his last name is Posner. It's pretty close to Poser. True. So, you know. True. Anywho. Happy birthday to Avicii. He would have been 32 today. Listen to some uh, listen to some Avicii for him. It's good tunes. Uh, I'm going to. Yes. Nice. Nice. Celeb celebrate the life. Celebrate the life. Yeah. Uh, Mike, we've got amazing shows coming up. I got a couple that could be doing a little... They're doing a little cakewalk right now on who's going to be next week. So I don't want to tell you exactly who's going to be next week because I'm not sure which one's going to come first. So we've got a couple of good artists coming up. I uh, can't wait to hear them. They're going to be fantastic. Do you think you're going to make it to one of the restaurants by next week? Hmm. Um, I am going to try to. Okay. I'm going to... I don't know what my girlfriend's plans are. Okay. You know, she designs our meal plans. Oh, okay. Um, okay. She's so. the, the head of the kitchen. I gotcha. <laughs> she is the, yeah, she does all the, the okay. scheduling. But we, you know, we do our date nights and um, I always try to, right. but uh, I think. Throw I think those this, in the mix. Put that in the fishbowl yeah. as possibilities. You know, hey, here's my suggestions. Mm -hmm. These are Doc G rated. If you don't like this place, he will pay for this meal. That will happen. It will come through Venmo the second there is a complaint. 
The second it is complained about, it will show up in the account. You can give her that satisfaction. <laughs> now, the one thing I can't guarantee on any of these, they may be really crowded. Oh! I would guess that most of these are going to have some wait time. So, yeah, got to keep that in mind. It's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, a little tough on that round. But regardless, we will both be back next week, listeners. You can count on that. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus Fernicus Charette. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Yes, and until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Mm-hmm. Zip it a doo-doo.